All right, guys. All right. Um, so it's about six of us here. Um, let's go ahead and get started. We didn't have a chance to actually talk about um, Prodigy. However, we have our resident Prodigy guru with us, Marie. I mean, she, she's, able, she's able to break it down in six different ways. Um, can you at least start off by um, giving us a recap of the first four episodes? Ooh, the first four and episodes. She's on, the spot. she's on the spot, so she didn't even know that this question was coming. I did not. Um, so uh, Prodigy deals with a group of kids who have been living on Tars Lamora. And when I say living, they're more imprisoned. Um, Dahl is the main character, and he has been... We don't know what he is. He doesn't know what he is. He has, and he's basically an orphan and he's trying to escape the prison planet. And he starts hearing rumors about this zero guy. And eventually he gets caught. Uh, they suspect Dahl is in collusion with zero. He gets caught and Gwen enters the picture. Gwen is the daughter of the diviner who is going to be the series antagonist. Um, she basically gives Dahl the option, like, you either go to Dreadnought, who is terrifying and a murder bot, or you help us find Fugitive Zero. Um, and in so doing, she sends him to a very dangerous location. Um, he meets up with a Bracarian named Rocktok, and um, they're basically mining, and he's looking for information and also trying to plan an escape, and they stumble upon a Federation starship in the middle of this asteroid. Uh, they find an engineer. His name is Jankin Pog. He's a Tellerite. Um, <laughs> and basically they steal the ship, kidnap Gwyn, and try to escape Tars, Tars Lamora. So that's, that's one and two right there. And then three is their first away mission. No. Wait. I may be skipping three. Um... I probably am, but we're going to go to the next, we're going to go to the next two. Um, so it's going to be Dreamcatcher and then um, Terror Firma. Uh, basically, they just, they stumble upon a murder planet that manifests your dreams as hallucinations that in order to keep you there so that the planet can eat you. And all of the different characters see um, all of these things that they've they've always wanted. Dahl wants to see his family, but he doesn't know what they look like. So the planet doesn't know either. Um, Rock Talk is this big Bracarian and she's, she's always just wanted to be accepted and she wants to have friends. And so the planet manifests these adorable little, little creatures for her to play with. Um, Jankenpog wants tasty, tasty food. I mean, can't blame him. <laughs> right. Um, uh, and then Gwen, I think, Gwen gets the, the, the worst of it, right? Because what the planet manifests for her is an image of her father, the diviner, loving her and offering her validation and acceptance. And that's Which when she realizes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just got excited at that point. I'm sorry. Yeah. Continue. That's when, and she realizes that it's a hallucination because she, in her heart of hearts, does not believe she'll ever get that, which is the worst. Um, now they've all teamed up with, uh, they've all figured out that the Protostar is a Federation vessel um, because we have, an, we have uh, a new hologram form, which is a training hologram. And it's taken the form of hologram Janeway. Um, so Janeway 
takes a little bit more of a center stage in terra firma because Gwyn has basically sold the protostars crew out to her father and has summoned her father to this murder planet so that he can come and retrieve the protostar because that's apparently what he's been looking for on Tars Lamora. Um, and Dahl is infuriated, absolutely infuriated. And one of the things that Gwen does is she actually sets the protostar to fly away and it almost does, but the planet won't let it, won't release it. So, it crashes. And now in terra firma, Dahl and everybody else has to make it 10 kilometers to find um, the protostar in order to escape. And terra firma is all about how they do that. Um, and ultimately, not only do they escape the planet, but they also have to escape the diviner. Um, because in the worst moment, I think in Star Trek thus far, um, the diviner looks at Gwyn, who is now being, who's been captured by the murder planet and is about to die. And he basically says, sorry, kiddo, I'm going to go for the ship. <laughs> and she has to watch him do that. Yeah. Um, and it turns out that the ship that he sees that he abandons her for to her death uh, is one of the hallucinations, which is just an extra twist of the knife there. Um, Doll makes it bad. Doll and the crew rest of the crew make it back to both the protostar and Janeway. They rescue Gwyn. They warp away. And unfortunately, the diviner is able to toss a tractor beam onto the protostar and follows them into warp, which is when they discover that the protostar is so named because the third mysterious engine is actually a protostar and mm -hmm. it is capable of something called proto warp, which is faster than any form of warp previously explored and Gwen gets the chance to tell her father to step off <laughs> and she does um and it's fantastic uh but also painful because of course and they and she engages the protostar drive and they warp so far away that they are no longer on the diviner's delta quadrant star charts and that's where we have left off so first, thank you, Marie. Thank you so very much. So first, look, listen. First, how cool of a title, an episode title is Terra Firma. Like, come on, like, man, what did you think when you saw that? I mean, uh, <laughs> the writing in Prodigy is really good, you know? I think there's uh, an adage that says, uh, show, don't tell. And I think that this exemplifies that. That this this show really exemplifies like they are going for action, they're going for plot. They'll get to the explanations later, but right now they're just they're trying to intrigue you and bring you in with curiosity. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Um, so this was like uh, something that I heard in the in the show. Um, the hologram of Janeway says, "What would the real Janeway do?" Hmm. She would clean house. <laughs> like, do you remember that moment? Like, yeah. Um, when I, I don't know, I'm calling them tentacles. When the tentacles were all over the ship, <laughs> um, and she was like, you know, what would the real Janeway do? So, like, Brandon, do you remember that moment? When, I do. What, what oh, were yeah. you thinking in that moment? Honestly, my first thing is, um, Janeway wouldn't clean house. She, 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 in a way, but. Not in that way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, Janeway's more of a of a com. 
I'd see her going to town with a phaser. I mean, remember, uh, remember the, uh, oh, what was it? Macrocosm? The macro. Yes. That's, that's the what I remember Janeway for, not, oh, let's clean that. Nah. Janeway rocked like, a BFG a on a number of occasions. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's a good comment, but. But also, I really want a bracelet that says WWJD for, like, what would Janeway do? <laughs> okay, alright. So, so as, as Marie said, so basically the planet is terraforming, right? So as they're moving, like, basically, they're, they're walking, they're trying to get to the ship, and then they check to see how far away they are, and they are still 10 kilometers away like at at that moment like you realize oh my god like it's 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 not even possible um what were your thoughts at that particular time uh let's go to andy andy what were your thoughts at that time well first i, I don't i didn't even ask you andy did you get a chance to watch um prodigy Actually, I was just going to say that I haven't had the opportunity to finish, so I'm sorry, I, but I can't comment. No, it's all right, man. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so anyway, let's let's move on. So what about that moment when they uh, you see them sitting in a Klingon ship? <laughs> the Klingons were there. Can you feel like the Klingons were there in the Camel Quadrant? Like for real, like the Klingons were there. I mean, we we got to see some Klingons in um, in Voyager, but mm -hmm. on that particular planet, like that was wild to see. Does that mean that we'll see more Klingons in Prodigy? That's a I, really good point. I really hope so because that would tie in a lot of the stuff that we saw in Voyager including that Klingon, the, you know, that short single episode Klingon story arc. The generation ship, the one where they thought the Messiah was Belana's kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, called the Prophecy. The Prophecy, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think well, that uh, anytime the Klingons show up, that it's uh, it's a good time. So. That's, <laughs> that's when you know we're watching Star Trek, is when the Klingons show up. Oh, man. <laughs> Okay. Did anybody else think that Mechleth was really huge? And I, I kind of, Mechleth. yeah, I'm kind of sitting here like, are you compensating for something, Dal? Like, are you? It was shiny and huge. It was, it was, a, <laughs> it was large. I swear, I'm at an least, adult. At least it was the right shape. <laughs> the right shape. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's got that going for it over Disco's Batleth. <laughs> <laughs> it does. <laughs> okay, um, speaking of Dal, <laughs> for the first time we hear him give at least slight credit to someone else um, when they decided to follow the stars. So in terms of uh, character development, do we think that being on um, the, the protostar is helping to round out the edges of Dal? Manny, I see you shaking your head. I just, I mean, they're obviously like putting together this crew, right? This ragtag crew and, and trying to fit them. And so they have to have some sort of conflict and come together kind of uh, story arc. And I'm glad they did it very quickly because I think we just all want to see it happen. You know, Marie, sorry. <laughs> to be fair, I think um, they're actually playing with a couple of more interesting concepts here because I, Dal is very much coded as being a, black teenager and so now there's this interesting tension between 
Dal's lived experience, which teaches him that authority and regiment and trusting others <laughs> is an is a dangerous proposition. And now he's having to make the shift to becoming part of that authority. If that's because that's Janeway's ultimate goal, right? Like is to make them Starfleet officers. Mm. And and I love that they're trying to have this conversation. How are we going to get Dal to buy in to the Federation ideal? And also, how do we make that legitimate? How do, they, how do we make that make sense for him? And so I think that's that's really the arc that we're going to see going through Prodigy. And I think it's a really fantastic um, just thing to t just discussion to have with kids that are going to be watching this. Right, right. Um, Excellent, especially because that's their that's their main audience at this point. Even though we know, like you know, diehard Trekkies like ourselves, we're watching it. You know, we're, we're engaged. I mean, I think I think Prodigy is fantastic. I mean, I I'm going to go out on that limb. I have yet to be unhappy with any part of this, right. <laughs> any part of the show. Right. That's actually that's actually one of the things I was going to put in is like, where was this kind of Star Trek when I was a kid? I mean, this is this is adult Star Trek in kids' language that the makes logical yeah, sense. The closest yeah. thing we had, which is to very strange, Star Trek was Rascals. That was the closest. That was the closest. The and, and can we not? Can we just not invoke that? Uh, what? What? what was <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the kid, the, the kid they got for Picard, man. I just I the, the voice. I wasn't going to say nothing. See, I not say nothing. Now we got to talk. Since we're talking about kids, since we're talking about kids, so at before we go end, anywhere else, I hate to interrupt you, Jermaine, but can I say one thing? Yeah. Uh -huh. I read or heard somewhere a million years ago that storytelling and writing television for children is actually much more difficult than it is for writing to write for adults because adults will give you the benefit of the doubt. If a kid mm -hmm. decides that this is nonsense, that kid's going to be, that kid's going to peace out because he yep. or she is going to be like this. There's no, whatever. And I think prodigy is really embracing that concept because what they, what we've got is we've got a tremendously layered complex story, layers of trauma and um, difficult choices that are being made by these teenagers um and it's not sugarcoating that in the slightest it's actually ex you know the, the show actually expects its audience to appreciate that and in fact i think be there at a certain point um and i love how they're not dumbing down any of it so when we talk about it being in kids language i don't even think that's true i think it's really just honest to goodness good storytelling I guess what I meant by that is we've got a lot of smart kids now. Like, you know, when I was four and five and six and seven and started watching Star Trek, it, the shows at the time, the I was just long for the ride. But I was yeah. intrigued by Star Trek because of how mental it was. And that's what's, that's the funny thing. Uh, yeah, Prodigy is meant for kids. It's on the, Nick, it's on the Nickelodeon channel. But it hooked me. Right. And, and so... I'm sorry. So since we're talking about kids and I want to wrap this up. So at the very end, we um we find out that the protostar actually has, I mean, they kind of hinted about it, but it actually has a little proto star <laughs> in the engine. 
So what were you thinking at that moment? What, I mean, especially since, you know, this happens in the past, right? So if this happens in the past and they had proto stars in the past. I'm thinking about discovery right now. Right. I had the same question. Like, <laughs> like where did this technology go? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And I imagine, I imagine Prodigy is going to give us that answer. Um, at least I hope they do. Let's hope. Let's hope hope so. My brain looks at it and goes, this is another experimental piece of technology um, that perhaps follows along the same lines as Voyager Slipstream or the board. I was going to make that point next. Oh, sorry. Didn't. No, it's okay. I'm in a list. You you got to butt in. (laughs) (laughs) You got to butt in. Let me take it. Yes, no, it's okay. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, the protostar drive, the slipstream technology, the soliton waves, this new pathway engine they just mentioned in the episode. Oh my god! The spore drive, you know, like soliton all wave. of these. Sh- and then they shuttered it in the Voyager episode, like uh, yeah. slipstream. Sh- you know, uh, sorry, I was gonna make the same point. Continue, please go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's an excellent take, take, point to make. Take it away. Make it. Take it away. Um, I feel like. Um, so I don't understand. Like, is you saying prodigies in the past? Is this prodigy takes place between um, Voyager, and I think Picard actually is the next yeah. is the next closest. Yeah. So, so, the, uh, so that's where it that falls in the continuity. Understood. Understood. The one thing that that jumped out at me was Janeway becoming more um, more than an AI during this episode. It really reminded me of the episode of Voyager where the doctor was, there was a copy of him left 700 years in the future. Oh, oh yeah. Civilization. Oh, Living oh, witness. God. Yes. Living, Living witness. witness. Such a great episode. I'm sorry, I gotta say this. I gotta say this. I hope, I hope that they bring back that EMH into Discovery in the fourth season somehow. I don't care how Please. he looks. I do not care. They they can see I don't care, but it would make sense. It would make perfect sense. Absolutely. So if they do that, I will give Discovery five stars. It's at a four point five with me right now. Like just because the ship finally looks cool. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you you I'm sorry. And look, 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 I'm, I'm gonna say this on the show though. Y'all cannot sit here and tell me that that ship at the end of season three wasn't the most beautiful ship you ever seen. Like mm. it was just beautiful. It was just. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. Like once it once it gets its floating design. nacelles, is that what you mean? Nah, yeah, they they refitted the whole shit. It was nice. I'm now what they see not what the new defiant you, looks like. I mean, I mean, it mm. looks like it works. Versus it looking like it was pulled <laughs> out of a junkyard. I it, it freaks I me out that the nacelles are separated from the. It, it freaks me out. Really I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, I, I get it, honestly, but it's freaky. Let's take it back to Voyager. Honestly, that would make sense because whenever Tom and Harry and I guess Bolana were trying to, you know, break warp 10 and ended up turning into lizards. Um, oh, no. Can we just not talk about threshold? No, 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 no. <laughs> because one of the things that they said was um, well, we, the problem is the nacelles are attached to the ship. If we do this too fast, it's going to rip apart. Mm-hmm. So I think they Ooh. took that concept from that. Mm-hmm. And said, "Let's separate them." Of course, they didn't. Um, Harry and Tom didn't have the technology to separate them, so they were thinking in two-dimensional while we're thinking in four-dimensional. But they they separated them. Boom. So I think that was a t- 
Tom and Tom and Harry move. That's what I think. That's why I think that's separated. So to so me, you mean once they got to Earth, that was an idea that they brought to Earth, yes. and then mm-hmm. yes. So so for the next generation or class of ship, it it was probably theory at the time, and then a hundred years later, they actually implemented it. Gotcha. Which probably brought them to the the time wars. I mean, you know, it's conceivable that you know detaching themselves is part of the reason why you know they were able to go. You know, I think a lot of this has to do with the programmable matter. You know, the idea of programmable matter. Like there was, there were definitively new echelons of technology. What's the difference between programmable matter and nanites? Nanites are small robots. Yeah. Programmable matter is literally resequencing matter, electronic, like to exact specifications, um, in real time. It's it's not a um, whereas a robot or like a sorry, I'll let someone else someone else wanna. So it's basically it's basically the difference between um, having something build your thing for you and then just telling the matter to be the thing mm-hmm. is how that goes. So they're both made up. It can be the thing. It can be the, yes. It basically becomes the thing. Um, and so, I think that was a that that was one of the big deals that I think the writers' room decided that they were going to do in order to establish that um, thirty one ninety thirty one ninety one discovery um, is in this radically new world. Um, that with the personal transporters and all of that is just kind of basically in existing to reinforce just how far discovery is. Um, They ain't in Kansas no more, if you will. I I really appreciate that because I'm I'm all for the new technology and just trying to sort of understand it. So programmable matter is to be or not to be and nanites are to do and not to do. I think it's like a a program. It's like a physical holodeck. Holo- yes, that's a good way to think yeah, about it. Instead of uh, photons and force fields, exactly. I wouldn't recommend eating it though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't really recommend eating any of the things coming in Discovery. But I mean, I mean, other than a other than a hologram of a goldfish, but you know. So Marie, since you bring up Discovery, let's let's transition it squarely into Discovery real quick. So tonight was the premiere of Discovery, right? So we've all watched Discovery. Have we all watched Discovery? Yeah. Well, maybe not. Maybe not all of us. Maybe not all of us. It's okay, oh, no. Ozzy. It's okay. It's okay. What happened? All right. Ozzy oh. is new to... Put her on to... the spot. No, no, no. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. So <laughs> let's explain to everyone. Ozzy is new to Star Trek, relatively new um, to Star Trek. She has been binge-watching like a, like a beast. Like, she's in there. She's, she's every day. She's in it. She Her favorite is DS9. <laughs> I think most of our favorite is DS9. Well, by so hands, look at it, hands look at it, down, it's the best trek it. in the world. But anyway. hands down, hands it's down. Right. I don't know. I don't it's know. Right. This hands down. But it's all right. So look, opening sequence, opening sequence of season four, episode one. First, I, I'm going to put it out there, and I'm going to I'm going to walk back. How badass were the butterfly people? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I thought. I'm gonna oh. tell you. Oh, when do you not? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> and it's water, y'all. It's water. It's 100 percent water. Nothing else but water. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm gonna tell you exactly what I thought. 
I think it was a haha at a Star Wars moment because all I could think about was stormtroopers in these all white suits completely missing them every single time. <laughs> and I'm looking at these for like for lack of a better phrase, these white aliens that cannot aim <laughs> worth crap. They cannot. They literally cannot. And I'm like, how and, and 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 like Burnham even said it. We right up on them. How are they not hit us yet? <laughs> like, and, and to me, I appreciate that because we ask, we ask questions like that. Like we're right here. How are you missing? And there's four of y'all. Well, one of y'all should have hit us. Like, so I'm thinking stormtroopers the entire time. That's all I'm thinking. Marie, what about you? Mm, I'm thinking into darkness. What are you thinking? <sighs> I... Oh, you had to bring up my favorite movie. That was a nod to that. Yeah, I, I, this whole, I, I gotta say, most of Kobayashi Maru, which is the episode title, um, most of it really resonated with, I think, a lot of the themes that we saw in the in the opening of Into Darkness, right? Um, with the Alshane, the butterfly people, um, we have a failed sort of first second first contact the way um we had with you know the whole nibiru people at the beginning of into darkness they even run off a cliff and i have to tell you i really love the line why is there always a cliff and apparently that's just yes. a thing yes. yes right yes. um i really loved that they were just laughing about it and then um but i think that sort of actually sets up part of the discussion that's going to go on with the rest of, throughout the rest of the episode, which is um, how are we going to get Michael Burnham into the big chair? How is she going to be as a captain? How is she going to learn to be a captain? Are there things she needs to know? Because one of the big themes in the beginning of Into Darkness that it gets dropped, admittedly, is this question of, is Kirk ready? And what does readiness look like? Okay. All right. So we are definitely, we're going to talk about that. Let's hold that for just a moment, but still on that first scene. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, let's go to, who do I want here? Let's go to Brandon. Brandon, what about the banner between Book and Burnham? What do we think has happened since the end of season three into season four that they would have this, like, it's, it's almost like a married couple. Like, did you see uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith? It's kind of like that. Like, to me. I, you know, I I did notice a little bit of that. More more than that, though, I noticed that while they are kind of a couple of sorts, it was almost that it was yeah, it was that family banter. The you know, it, it, he's he's the dumb ox and she's the smart the smart person in the room, <clears throat> but at the same time, he was actually what he was trying to get across made sense. I, I don't know. I saw it completely from his perspective. I'm like, okay, yeah, Burnham, kind of just, just, just shut up just a little bit, please. And let him talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I liked it though. I thought it was well-written and well put together. Okay. So thank you. So Manny, real quick, um, what about the relationship between the crew? So shortly after um, we see, you know, the butterfly people, I call them the butterfly people. I don't know the name of their species. So they're just going to be the butterfly people until I, uh, until I learn any differently. So once we get to discovery, we see some light banter between the crew. Like they're kind of like 
um, I guess I'm in the South, so it's called joshing, right? They're, they're playing with each other. They're making fun of each other. And they're laughing at the things that they're saying. Um, did you catch that? I don't uh, recall it like exactly, but I do recall there were like those types of moments. I do remember like Tilly kind of being a little awkward, just a little bit um, here and there. Um, yeah, I thought we didn't see much of Stamets. I thought that um, a deer was, I felt they were a bit wooden, to be honest, even though I felt it was like written in a way, like they were supposed to be kind of closer. I don't know if it's because Saru's gone. I don't know if it's because, but if it, like I liked Owo and Detmer on point. These, these characters are standards. They are like, you know, ex they've exactly been who they've been, but I felt like the other characters have been kind of evolved and uh it felt a little unnatural to me i don't know if anyone else felt that but uh even later when tilly uh was speaking to adira and then she was talking to commander nalas at one point and he, she's like uh do, do you ever get home how long since you've been home and it felt the delivery was like oh this is I, it took me out of the action i was like oh it's an actor not the character that's how it felt <laughs> i want to know who the new black dude is Oh yeah, that's a good question. I don't know who that is. I, I mean, it's not Bryce. At first, I don't want to know who it is. <laughs> at first, I thought they were this, and then I see him on the bridge. I'm like, who are you? I don't want to know who this man is. So I really hope he's not a generic red shirt. <laughs> no, yeah, like some he, good lines. Don't do that. Like he's gonna die at the beginning of the second episode. He said, "Don't get too comfortable. I'll be right." Back. Right, like Bryce told him that, like, don't get too comfortable. Like, I'll be back in two well, days. Well, are on you. <laughs> so speaking of red shirts, uh, going back to the butterfly people real quick, when when they were being shot up, I'm like, well, of course they're missing. There's no there's no sacrificial red shirt to shoot. Mm. But is always missed. That's <laughs> actually a good point. There wasn't a third character, which is very odd, especially for away missions. So yeah, can I have target. But I think that kind of goes back to um, one of the like talking about Burnham's ability to be ready and and be a leader because we've never actually seen Burnham lead people. We've seen her again throw herself in front of literally every bullet um, and then sort of expect people to come along behind her. But she's never really had made leadership decisions in quite the same way. So for me, she trusts Book because she spent an entire year trusting Book. Um, so she's, and, and he's been here, he's lived in this world. So she feels comfortable bringing him along, but she doesn't feel comfortable risking any of her people because she's responsible for their well being. And that's why I think the only being, She hasn't shifted from being a science officer, a second in command or a third in command to the commander of an entire mm -hmm. ship. And it is, a, it is a different feeling altogether. You have to start to trust your officers to do what they need to do. And she was calling the shots during the, the battle sequence. She's like, are you doing this? Are you doing this? I do. She knew technically what everyone should be doing. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that you have to have that, that character building moment, right? Where um, I found it fascinating because they're involved, right? Like the characters, book and right and it's the two of them on a planet you don't really see that where 
to people who are in a relationship or on an away mission together. They made a and point of never sending down uh, Worf and uh, Ezri? Not Ezri. Jadzia. Jadzia. It happened once yeah. and it went very badly yeah. for everyone. But look, Book is not even Starfleet. Mm-mm. That was also very strange. He's technically well, not even he's, Federation. I, I view his character like a Seven of Nine character. Like you're not in Starfleet, right. but you you have a vast amount of knowledge that would help you serve. That's how I, he I also he also scary. tap dances really close to being to falling into the magic black man category, sort of like Bagger Vance with his magic empathy b- abilities, mm. which he did not use this episode. Wish I had a man. If like you notice. She asked him at one point. She asked him to use it. She's like, do your magic thing. And he's like, no. No. <laughs> well, well I, think, I think one of the things that's really consistent about uh, Michael Burnham going on the away mission is that in, in the original series, right, we see, we see Kirk go on all the away missions pretty much. And then when we get to Next Generation, we have that preamble with Riker and Picard talking about, are you going to let me, are you going to give me a hard time about going on away missions? Right. And then after that, the the captains very rarely go on the away missions. It's the number, you know, uh, number one and, and in Voyager uh, Chakotay who go on away missions primarily. Right. So it's consistent with a pre, a pre Kirk captain to be on the away missions. Ozzy, I see you like really nodding to that. Like, what are your thoughts about that? I was just, I was just agreeing with him about the captains not going on um, away missions. That's all. That's all. I was nodding. I'm kind of still <laughs> lost. I'm kind of still lost with everything you guys are saying, and I'm like, okay, let me just keep paying attention. <laughs> well, have you had a chance to watch Next Generation? I know you watch DS Nine, but have you had a chance to watch Next Generation? Yeah, TNG. Yeah. All right. You yeah. watched all of it. Yeah. All right. I've watched, and- I've watched TNG, um, DS Nine, um, nice. Voyager. And uh, Enterprise. Okay, so you basically, you like if, if you watch Enterprise, even if you didn't watch the original, you have the basic gist of what we're talking about right now, um, yeah. because a lot of those away missions, Archer was there. Like, yeah. like I, I, like I remember, I was like, "Why are you there? Why are you there? Please don't be there." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you've seen the evolution of of Star Trek and now Discovery. Um, she's there on on that away mission. So, like, what are your thoughts about that? Um, I think with um, it does make more sense with a captain not going on away mission. Like, I for me, because you want to protect the captain. The captain is almost like the ship, part of the ship, and you want to protect the captain. So, captains going on away mission is kind of like risky. I, I consider mm-hmm. that risky. And okay. then the president. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did anybody else feel that was a little hypocritical of Burnham being like, "You're, you're, you're totally putting my crew in danger if you show up on my ship." So look, there was a pause. There was a slight <laughs> pause that she had, and I was like, "Hold up, wait a minute. Is she realizing that she might put her own people in danger? No, but she just no. doesn't want to put the, the no. president in danger." Like, no, you know I think that like, pause is. I think that pause is Burnham trying to come up with a reason to keep Relic off her shell, off her ship. You think so? Like, like, I I, like that was my. That, that's what I thought in the moment. Like when I, like 
when I first watched it, but on reflection, I was like, hmm. I don't think I don't think Kobayashi Maru level Burnham is ready for that level of introspection. And that's one of the things that Rillick actually calls her out on <laughs> later in that truly, truly amazing um it's not really addressing down it's because it's more a teaching moment that burnham's just not paying attention to she's just not taking notes no she isn't that's uh, yeah william I'll be, I'll be quiet on that honestly no, um in, in many ways well well okay i got two things one i screamed my butt off when she squinted her eyes just right after the president told her off in front of mummy man and, and, and like she she literally did like this and in that in that moment pardon me i heard her say bitch it, it, yeah, yeah yeah i just i yeah. literally felt that in my spirit and, and i and i was just like you should have said it like no except no, you can't no, say no, that no, to no, your no, boss i'm from the country i am older than you <laughs> I literally think all of Vulcan just stood up and argued with you for calling them country. Serious. Seriously, but we all know that the original series was an attempt to bring cowboys into space and they failed at that. That's what I mean when I when I come from with that. So but 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 it was just the way it was so perfect, it was so beautiful. I screamed. I was like, oh my god. She squinted her eyes and do called her out like you have those called her out. You got those 11s. Now, We're going to talk about that a little later, but let's move on to the to the next scene. I don't want to spend too I much ready. I, I wasn't ready for that. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um that that they brought us back to Kaminar at least two maybe three times during this episode. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking that it's significant. So I I want to talk about it real quick. So Y'all, I mentioned it when he okay. So they were talking, they were going back and forth. Um, Sukal had like his point. He was like, "Look, isn't the burn is never going to happen again because I'm not even there." But then they they turned it to Saru, and they were like, "Saru, what do you think?" They gave him like some title or whatever. Great then, elder, like you know, I said, like you know how, I said, how his arms do this, whatever. But he had like a little swagger with it this time. I was like, what? <laughs> Look at this dude. Like, 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 what do you think was going on in, in his mind? You know what I'm saying? Like, so he had the, you know, he was the first one to, to leave their world, right? And now all of a sudden it's, you know, 900 years later. And so, like, what do you think was going on in his mind? Like, he's an exalted figure for them, right? So what's going on in his mind? Andy, what do you think? Sorry, uh, <laughs> I I lost I lost track of track there. Um, you're talking about Kavanaugh? Yeah, back back in yeah. um in Kavanaugh and Saru, they they call Saru. He comes down and he has his little swagger walk, and he's 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 basically talking to him and he's trying to convince them. Um, to hey, Jermaine, I'm not sure I remember what that swagger looked like. Do you think you could do that again? I apologize. I apologize because um, I was having technical difficulties at that point in the show, so I'm not sure I caught that. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. I lost, yeah. 
Because, you, you know, um, not Rick James. Uh, what, what's his name? <laughs> Doug Jones? No, 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 no. Um, that black singer. What's that black man name? <laughs> Rick James. Godfather of Soul. Godfather of Soul. What's oh, James Brown. Dang, James. With the cape. You know, how, you know how he has the cape? James Brown? You know how he has the cape? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how he was. <laughs> he had the cape on, too, so he was just walking like that. <laughs> Ozzy is like, oh my god! I do enjoy that. <laughs> Ozzy suddenly like, wait, why am I here with these crazy people? <laughs> I have a question. Spoilers doesn't bother me at all. So, um, is is Barnum? Oh, I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right. Is she a captain by she season four? Yes. She yes. is. Yes. Okay. Oh. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I like the reunification with the Baul. That was mm -hmm. shocking. Oh, that yeah. was nice. Yes. Yeah, and and the fact that like they're commingling and there's like there are no issues, no major issues. I love Nobody's getting eaten. <laughs> yeah. I see I see that being a significant thing through this season as well. And as even though it was only, you know, referenced or anything like that a few times, I I have a sneaking suspicion and and now this is just me in the back of my head. I have a sneaking suspicion they're behind this. Oh. They? The Ba'ul? The Ba'ul are behind what's happening with the destruction and the loss. I don't know why. Interesting. But I have I, I have a very sneaking suspicion that it's going to have to do with, with the two sides of Kaminar coming together. And they're doing this behind their back. Wow. I see. As part of so the deception. So you're seeing the the gravimetric distortion as a weapon? Yes. Okay. Interesting. As as a not necessarily weapon weapon, but more like kind of like well, what's what's the best way to put it? A cause and effect situation of having a natural of causing a natural disaster. I see. Directing maybe some some natural uh, disaster. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know why that's in the back of my head, but I've I'm like that. That ties together somewhere somehow. I will be very interested to that. see if that's right because I am not entirely persuaded. <laughs> I hope they. Uh, I mean, it's crazy, but um, I kind of saw the sp sphere builders. When I saw that, oh, you know, from Enterprise, that's Ooh. yeah, okay, nice, nice thought. Ooh, yeah, I didn't think of that. That's what I, I was like. There's lensing, there's gravimetric shit. We're, we're dealing with something that is not of our universe, or it's like extra universal. You 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 notice the amount of energy, and then the lensing. You know, in in real ast astronomy, it's because of a huge gravimetric shear or some like enormous black hole or something that is like actually take like a wormhole or some kind of energy source there that is warping the light around it. And when she zoomed in, A, so much of this dialogue during Discovery was so punchy. The fact that she could just zoom in on this tiny little, just zoom in there. Just just zoom in right there, right? Like, yeah. And didn't even, it didn't even point, by the way. Like, did anybody else yeah. find that weird? Because it's just like, oh, there's a thing. Like, go zoom in on it and like, one every of and past, one of the people on the bridge is like, oh yeah, totally, it's that. Yeah, every past history, zoom in degree, you know, zoom in to grid D three or you know, something right. Like that. 
But no, they, no, we don't do that it's anymore. Like that. It's, it's just <laughs> there. They were trying to move it. I get it, and I will yeah. accept that. And I love that they jam-packed. There was so much here to unpack. Like, there's so much in this episode to unpack. Like, we could sit here and just talk about scene after scene and say, like, this is a reference to this, this is a reference to that. Sure. Overarching, I think they're trying to set up yet another, you, you know, uh, universe-causing, like, destructive thing where you have, like, the AI... That's why they jumped into the future in the first place. You have the burn. It always seems like they're dealing with some existential threat. And I will tie this to Picard as well. Mm -hmm. And I've said this before, that Picard, for the first time in the history of TNG, we now have a new threat in the TNG world that threatens the, the universe in a way since, we haven't seen since the Borg. The, uh, the AI that is outside of our universe that they were trying to like uh, contact or whatever, that I think is... Also, I don't know if these things are connected. I just, it just seems like there's a theme, like that there's always going to be this sort of like existential, like, can't we just like, can we just have like a, a can visit we go to back a to villain of the week? Yeah. <laughs> I think that may like, be seriously the first time I have ever heard that said out loud. <laughs> can we go back like to the villain season, of the week? <laughs> fourth season Enterprise, they're like, Let's get back to our mission. It is like chill for like a couple of episodes. <laughs> like so much Zindi, right? Like Zindi, Zindi, Zindi. And then like all of a sudden it's like, hey. Right, but just... I mean, you can make an argument that Enterprise kind of goes off the rails in season four. Like all the really good stuff stops because they no longer have that conflict. And then we have to have like the really oh. sketchy terror, terra firma episodes. Not terra firma. What's it? What is it? There is a terra firma. It's, that, it's later. But terra, the... Uh, Humans, I'm talking about the terror. The one where they try to get rid of all the aliens. Yeah. Yeah. It is a terror firm. That is the name of the terrorist organization. Um, that tries of course to get it is. rid of all the aliens uh, in their solar system. And they take advantage of the like laser shooting thing from like Mars and they like wanna shoot San Francisco. They want to shoot like Starfleet headquarters. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not I'm not saying let's get rid of the season long story arcs. I am not saying that because we all know the Dominion War was one of the best things that ever happened in the Star Trek yeah. series. We all know that the Zindi arc was freaking spectacularly amazing. I love it. We all know that Year of Hell was supposed Ooh. to be a year long season yeah, that they cut down season. into two episodes. Really, but. Yeah. I, I I miss the days of Star Trek where you could do a three episode arc or a two episode arc yes. or even a single episode kind of standalone. I'm not saying let's go back to that where it fits in the timeline, but I mean like, um, the circle comes to mind in DS9. Yeah, mm -hmm. the circle exactly. Yeah, three but you can do that. Arc. You can do that if you've got 26 episodes a season. Like That's when you've got true. 13, um, everything is so much more compressed. And I think that has yeah. a lot. I mean, the medium has changed how we, we how we consume media. Can, can we go back to 26 episodes a season? Uh, you know, I'd love that. Yeah, man. <laughs> anyway, I'll shut up now. No, it's because, because Tan wasn't, is not enough. No. Not, wasn't the original not. series like... 30 episodes 33 episodes per season or something yeah i don't remember it's a lot yeah it's so, a lot and there are some legit filler episode problems so since we're talking about going back to our roots let's take it in discovery season four episode one let's talk about um the moment when burnham is talking to the starfleet cadets 
All right, so it's basically the reopening of Starfleet Academy. All right, and it's also the first time that we see President Relic. All right, and now for me, that's when I really realized, hey, number one, is she half Cardassian? I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, like maybe later in the episode, I realized she's half Bajoran. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Well, you- and then the more they show her, you know, to, to someone's point, the more they show her, like the ridges are not as pronounced. Um, so perhaps there's some human in there. So for me, like as I'm thinking about it, especially I'm I'm seeing the, uh, the 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 interplay between she and Burnham. I'm thinking, hmm, I wonder what's happening there. What 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 might be the backstory with this particular character, William? I got you. Okay, so this actually takes me back to Enterprise. Oh, I was gonna say that. Yeah, I had to take it from you. you. No, do it. No, no, for sure. I've been quiet long enough. Have I been quiet? I love it. So (laughs) say it loud. Say it loud. (laughs) Good morning. She's like, nah. (laughs) So um there was a there was a woman, if I'm not mistaken. And at some point during Enterprise, and I'm going this off of vague memory, so Manny, you might want to take take it after I attempt to make this point. But she said she said that that or this person um i think it was a woman said that she was part her dad part had a little bit of human in her had a little bit you know all these different species in this one being and said that in this century the species have intermingled so much that now it's a different species isn't a different thing and of course at that point that was before the burn but but still um i thought oh yeah so that actually makes perfect sense so i, I wouldn't it's, see why she wouldn't be a third of a third of a third you know it's the pilot from the capsule episode where they find the ship from the future thank you yeah yeah thank you mm-hmm. yeah i was going to reference the time when daniels uh takes him forward he's like where are you from he's like are you even human he's like mostly mostly <laughs> that's all i was gonna say Y'all, and what about that that nod to Captain Archer um, and the Enterprise? We even hear the uh, <laughs> the ship the theme, music, yeah. the music. They're still trying to, are still the, trying to make up the music. for what they did oh. on the last episode of Enterprise. That's another one of those episodes we don't talk about because it didn't happen. It's like the prequels. They didn't happen either. Are you sure? I am. Here's it. <laughs> Here's a, here's a sh- here's a short list of things I noticed during that quick segment. Okay. We talk about the Archer Space Dock, which I think is fantastic. The Archer Space Dock, cool. The ship that's docked, Voyager, it, clearly. It's got to be the Voyager J, so we know that. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the one of the passing officers in the area after the cadet speech, if you listen to it in passing, he's talking about how he's cons- he's only consulting on the Kirk for a few days. So there's a ship known as the Kirk. Oh, I thought that was the Curry. Yeah, I don't think it's the Kirk. I think it's the Curry. Okay, it's maybe the, I'm wrong. Two, uh, yeah, yeah Tina Bryce and this Bryce. new guy. Chris and the new guy. Yeah. Okay, maybe, yeah. I, maybe I heard that wrong then. Um, and then and then he we was talked about to make about, a valid point too. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that would have been cool. But uh, <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I, I'm going to have to go back. And okay. But then we talk about the station orbiting Beta Six. Beta Six was mentioned in one of the in the original series. Mm-hmm. 
Um, really? It was actually it was actually the planet that the Enterprise was headed towards to resupply when they when Kirk encountered Trelane. Mm-hmm. They were going to resupply Beta Six. Yep. Okay. As a Federation world. So I'm like, okay. wow, that's a callback. Well, man, I love stuff like that. So, so um, I think Marie mentioned it. I, I'm not quite certain, but someone talked about the promotion of Tilly to a lieutenant. But it wasn't just Tilly that was promoted; everybody was promoted. Everyone. So basically, there are no more Ensign Kims in Discovery World. No more Ensign Kims. Like every, you get a promotion, you get a promotion, you get a promotion. Now that you have like twelve new cadets, they can all be promoted now. So, (laughs) I mean, did anyone not catch that? Like, like Garrett Wong's got to be pissed. They're giving her speech, which all she really wanted to say, hey, because you guys, my crew, got promoted. Promoted. That's why you're here. Thanks. Uh, We'll be sure not to get you killed. Can't promise you that though, but you know. I feel like the Ozzy, what did that you speech think? was actually pretty decent. Sorry. I'm sorry, what did you say, Brian? The, the I was saying, but Ozzy, Ozzy, I just want to give her some space. Oh, yeah. how, are you, how are you doing, Ozzy? I'm doing good. I'm still, I'm still listening. See, I'm, I'm so far behind. I'm like kind of confused. But whenever you guys talk about the old, the old, the old um series, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I know, I remember this, and I remember that. I, it, to be fair, even having seen it twice, I'm pretty sure we're all still confused. So, you know, yeah. don't feel alone. <laughs> we still have to rewatch this so, and like oh, catch. Yeah, there, I mean, the, Manny's right. There's so, so much packed into this. And I thought, um, I really think an hour runtime was an interesting choice. Um, because I sort of felt like a number of the story beats get, a, some of the story beats last too long. And some of the story beats don't get enough time. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. That's a good, agreed point. Yeah. And I get what they're trying to do, especially with Nalus, um, is they're, try- they're trying really hard to sort of jerk our heartstrings and try to emphasize that the trauma that Adira and Tilly are going to have and that also Burnham is going to have in the wake of his death. But frankly, it just, it, I was like, I, 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 what? All right. Okay, I thought Kahim and Leto's deaths were yeah. much harder and should have had a whole lot more. I don't know, just a whole lot more run up, you know. And I get what they're trying to do is they're trying to, to phrase the destruction of Quajian as this, you know, sudden horrific thing. Um, but also, could Star Trek stop destroying planets? I feel like this is becoming a trope now. Yeah. Like yeah. they saw Alderaan and they're like, hey, Star Wars, we're going to raise you by two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we lose. I mean, they kind of started with Kronos. So, I mean, you know, oh, that's cool, three. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, the moon. What's the third planet? Yeah. It was the moon crashes into Kronos or something. It destroyed. Okay. It, the, the moon blows Brandon, up and sorry, causes problems. Do you want to say something, Brandon? No, I was just commenting. Yeah, it was the moon. So I want to I want to go back to that scene uh, where they're in space dock. Um, I think they're doing a really good job of creating continuity about what Federation means, right? So if you go back yes. to that to that scene, um, that scene is very similar to um, Enterprise's opening scene, or not opening scene, but opening episode, where they're you know they're they're uh, christening the Enterprise. The Warp Five one. Engine, yeah. 
Right. And so it's almost a, it's a very similar scene. It's a very similar sentiment. But also um, throughout the Star Trek series, they've used similar uh, scenes where you see this, a brand new ship in space dock coming out. for the first Does time. anybody else it, think it, the emotion picture like that? Amazing. Like oh, it, it's yeah. literally I, pornographic, I guys. It's starship porn. Those lights. I saw those lights. It's right. Totally so, you, so, so, so you see that see over and over again. Right. You see the that uniforms? over and over again. And it. Yeah, new yeah, uniforms yeah. again. It, and it, yeah. But yeah. aren't they a throwback goes, to the motion picture? The pastels and stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you, you get you get all this continuity because they share a common they share a common a commonality, a, a common history. But to my to my earlier point in when we were talking offline, they're set I think they're setting up a clash of cultures uh, between yeah. the, the the current day federation and the pres and the and the the disc the disco crew, which is interesting yeah. because the disco crew got to ex- experience a, a federation that was in full force, right? Where yep. the culture was fully established, there was protection, there was always battles, and now you have your back, you're you're in the future, but you have like a rag, like they're they're just starting. It's like they're starting up again, right? So you yeah. see it both sides. You see they're starting up again. The pendulum or the wrecking ball, you know, mm-hmm. like the idea that. Uh, you need subtlety in times of peace. And Discovery has been on the run. Like they've just been just snapping necks and just like doing so much. And the president, you can see the tension that they're setting up with the new president. Like who, what president of the yeah. Federation is like randomly boarding like a mission like this? Look, like so do y'all, do y'all remember when the two of them, Burnham and Relic, were going back and forth on, on the bridge? Like there were so many different things going on in my mind in, in that moment. It was like, first of all, as you said, Manny, like a president is there, number one, like you, you've never seen that. And, uh, and the fact that a president is like, I'm damn, like, look, no, I'm like, I'm here. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like most presidents will like defer to Starfleet. Oh, you want to do this? Like DS9, the president there is like, oh, you want to martial law on earth? Yes. Okay. You can do it. <clears throat> Not this president. Like she's willing to go back and forth. And then the fact that it's two women, mm-hmm. like two women. You know what I'm saying? It's like I knew it was gonna be wow, like on so away. many different levels, huh? I knew it was gonna be a cap. You, you see that? You see the two helmsmen, the captain, and the president in that one scene, and they're all women. Yeah. It's yes, actually sure. a very powerful yeah. scene. And, and yeah. I, was, mm-hmm. I was thinking in my mind, I was thinking, I was thinking in my mind back to the original series. If you were, if you were a person of color in 1966 and you saw Uhura on screen right which was unheard of and now maybe somebody today right in 30 years what is, what will that per, what will that scene have meant to yeah. I, and to, i think it's a i think a lot of it is today. because michelle paradise is 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 currently the main driving force behind the show and so she's aware mm-hmm. and i think she's aware of what we're look of, of what that looks like now um right so i think but i do think you're right about um, there being a culture clash because everybody on the discovery except Burnham is coming from a position of comparative power, right? Yeah. they the Federation was a major power. They were assured of resources and all of this other jazz and they're not going to have them anymore. Um, and that was that, uh, Andy's, Andy's point. I'm so sorry to cut you off. Andy's point about the tension between like the fully <laughs> fleshed out like federation versus this like ragtag as almost he said now there's going to be a tension between like and it was in the last season discoveries like maybe 
the Federation should look like this. And they're like, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> this idea, you know, like as a culture clash. Sorry, Marie, please continue. No, no, I like it. We don't, we, we don't, we don't do the help missions. And yet that's how we're starting out. Just like how this Jordy season. was talking was just like how Jordy was talking to Scotty. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, and Relic. And yeah, Relic, that's yeah. one of my favorites. Relic. Yeah. But what I mm -hmm. but even more See, than Brandon, that. I'm on your level. <laughs> Good job. I'm so proud of you. I'm gonna give you a cookie. I'm gonna mail you a cookie. He actually Jermaine is actually with us the first time. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, it's, you know, it's one thing about that in, in Voyager, uh, Taurus tells, uh, Janeway, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, pad the hours I need. Right. Cause remember the, the advice to George from Scotty was you always, you always tell him it takes twice as long as you need. And so you look like a miracle worker. Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Marie, yeah. Marie to your greater point. Yeah. Go ahead. And suddenly I don't remember it. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's so let's move on. Let's move. Let's, let's move on. All right. So um, at a certain point, we find Sorry, out that frozen methane has hit Discovery and also the space station um, that they were going to to help. Right. And so everything changes. Right. And so basically we get like this crash scene a little into into it. Right. We get this crash scene and Burnham is hit. Her um her pod is it basically imploded, right? <clears throat> and so we see like a helmet kind of come come over, and then all of a sudden there's absolutely no sound whatsoever, right? Which is and correct. That, which is absolutely correct. Yes. Well, but well, even, can I ask a question? Discovery, even on Discovery, right? There's no sound. Like the the the, the camera is moving, right? Yeah, that was a but cinematic no move. Yeah. <clears throat> What, what for me that that sudden like that helmet that suddenly appears all i can think of is my god she's going to be eating her braids because <laughs> clearly she didn't have time to pull that to pull them back and that's i'm just crazy. like this is terrible right. terrible design well it was cgi so yeah. but i mean you know it was like it's supposed to be like some automatic type thing or whatever i don't know i know but it's terrible design honestly it, it really I think, is i think from a filmmaker's perspective i think they were trying to be a little show-offy at that point yeah how are you gonna put it in slow motion cut the sound and then all of a sudden a whole cat suit comes over you I, and this is what I'm talking about. Like that is a that was a story beat that took too long and just didn't anything. add anything other than you know a cat suit. Scientifically, I gotta tell you guys, this was an abomination. Agreed. Because there is no sound in space. Okay, that yes, yes, okay, yes, right. you need particles to propagate yeah. sound. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. So, but like. It, it's, it's two points I'll make. One, these dots, the ones that like were possessed by the spirit of the ship or whatever, I, they're throwbacks to exocomps, right? I don't know if anyone is. is, is yeah, I don't. I don't you know, know that they're throwback to exo throwbacks to exocomps necessarily, but I think you're. These are not sentient. Yeah. Yeah. They did it in lower decks, but they're actual exocomps. Yeah. But two, <clears> and then they brought them out to like do these things. There's so many other functionalities that they could have used for these things. To do that, like methane, it, it's a flammable gas. It just happens to be frozen. I was literally frozen. thinking like, that. I said, <laughs> you like set that shit on fire. Vaporize it. Gas. Where's the phasers? 
I know it, it's so much. There was well, so much well, weird well, about that. Um, but they didn't. Wait, they didn't really wait, expect wait, wait, it. Right? I just thought of something. If we're gonna talk about science, I don't know if igniting those that methane would have worked because you still need oxygen to cause a flame. Oh. So I don't think that. That's space. what I was just thinking. I'm sorry. I, I, would, I was right there with you. And Directed then I thought, energy okay. doesn't require. No, it doesn't require oxygen because it's not a it's not a flammable environment it's a directed energy weapon which is directly exciting through radiation so you're saying it physics would vaporize it right away it would have started a chain reaction within it by by the, the kinetic energy turning immediately into thermal energy mm-hmm. and having a thermal like nuclear response and on a completely so, flip side so- when burnham's ship gets exploded the amount of time that it takes for that suit to come over the top of her, she would have died. She she would have been sucked in. She would have been blown out into space. Okay, 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 okay. But Here's the question: Where's the force fields? It was in slow motion. It was in slow motion. Still, it was fast enough to to, to figure out. Nah, she should have died. <laughs> she <should've> died. <laughs> Or or at least sustained some pretty serious damage from like the explosive decompression of like her lungs. I mean, not that not that I have a scientific background. I'm pretty. I I didn't know if she was knocked out or if she was holding her breath at that point. But we both know realistically, you can't hold your breath in space. That's actually a fallacy. Why? Um, It won't like. It's not a. It's not a real thing. Um, If you're holding, if you're holding your breath in space, you can hold it for like a couple of minutes there, there'll be no explosive decompression unless there's a pressure difference that's that's the only thing but yes you're right it's a difference in the ship but if you were just floating in space you you could hold your breath all right so shortly after <laughs> this the, went uh, sideways <laughs> no, 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 no. like i i just i just want to get us through right so shortly Sorry. after the, uh, the crash crash scene so the guy from what is it uh Beta, whatever it is, beta six. Beta, um, beta six. All right. So he's like, he's holding them at gunpoint or whatever. And so the president tries talking to him. And, you know, Burnham is like looking and is like, mm. so she basically asks, you know, were you lying? And then the president says, doesn't matter. What does it matter? Can I just I say this? Like- that was such a weird moment because I'm like, wait a minute, lady, you are she literally hitching a ride on the back of an emergency vehicle, and you're just tried to make a peace treaty with you, and you gave her a smart ass answer. I'd have slapped you as soon as I got. She is the devil. I'm. I don't think I disagree, guys. I disagree on that one. I disagree because what what Rillick is basically saying is that the result is what matters here. Right. It's Bob, Bob, the fact it so the fact that she's able to talk Nalus down is the part that's important. Agreed. Because one of the things she talks about, and I really love this actually, is that she talks about she when she was piloting cargo ships, and y'all, we remember from last season that that's not a cakewalk, that that's a dangerous proposition in a post-burn society. So oh, I yeah. if you'll forgive the metaphor, if you'll forgive the statement, Rillick has seen some shit. Yeah. Um, which is and and Burnham's just not listening to that. Some shit. She's a she's a Kardashian. Well, I, I that may also be true. I that may also be true. <laughs> I just want to know what she was looking up while all that was going down. That's all. I'm but my about. point. But my point here is, I, I suspect she had a briefing um, about this 
before Burnham got called in because that's how that works. She's the devil, I'm telling you. I don't again, I don't think so. I think what she's I think what she I think this is a teachable moment for Burnham, which is sometimes the objective truth here isn't what's important. Sometimes it's the result that matters and the fact that she's and also you've got to meet people where they are. And this guy is panicking. He's about to do something real stupid and send them all into space. So she's got to do something. Somebody's got to do something to talk this guy down. Tilly and Adira aren't managing it. Yeah, his exactly. all his workers aren't doing anything. And Rillick recognizes that somebody's got to get Burnham the time to move the debris. And so she does well, it. Exactly. I didn't and like she, that. She steps in where she's needed. I will mm-hmm. say that she's she is a perfect diplomat. She weasels, not necessarily weasels, but she finds the ways to get in to get something that both parties can live with in, in a way. Now, it's also time, I think she's actually going to be a key figure and she no, she's not she's not going to be the evil person. I think so. she's going to one that brings the, the voice of reason to the everything. I think that's really what's going to happen. She's going to bring the voice of reason in the end and I think she's going to end up getting devil. replaced. I see both. <laughs> I but, I really look, look. So I really hope that Burnham. Here, so someone has got to disagree with you, and I disagree with you. She's the devil. You disagree with her. You disagree with us because she's a Cardassian. Exactly. Yes. This is speciesist. But, but yes. she's also. But she's I'm also. Racist. She's also. She's also Bajoran, and that's one of the things yeah. that I that I really think they played on here is the history. Both Cardassian females and Bajoran females are super ultra belligerent, sneaky. Mm conniving in your face women which i am not gonna say that's wrong i'm gonna say that is a really great characteristic that you have for for females of those two different races case in point the 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 three cardassian women who came to the the station in ds9 array yeah the three vipers said and and then we've got kira and we've got you know we know what these cultures are like and i think she's I think she's just spicy. We don't know her history. We don't know her past. We don't know sure, much oh, about her other than she piloted a cargo well, ship. Well, we know so she's the reality father. Is, we know she's going to live through the whole Come season. On, Ozzy. What do you think, Ozzy? Come on. Come on, Ozzy. Um, I don't think Bajoran women are conniving. Kadashian women, yes. I sort of feel like that's a species trait, though. I don't really feel like that's just limited to women. We've got Kai Win, okay? And she kind of takes the cake. She didn't suffer enough. I mean, they did get the woman who played Nurse Ratchet to be Kai Win, guys. That's fine, and that's good. I'm just saying they should have killed her son. She killed her own son. That's true. She killed her own son. I mean, Ooh. it was for the greater, you know. Who killed her own son? Yeah. Kayapaka. Kayapaka. No, she didn't. She, she did. did. She when? She ordered the strike on uh, her son's terrorist cell so she could protect um, another, mm-hmm. I can't remember the other mission. Yep. All of this yep. was in the first episode. First, first. Only Vedic Morial knew. Vedic yeah. Morial mm-hmm. was right. Oh, I think that he was using that against her. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay, I think I remember that. Okay, yeah, can we pull back to Relic for just a second? Can, yes. can we pull back to this? Um, 
I really love that the episode sets sets this up as these two competing viewpoints. And Burnham's is this standard sort of science fiction hero line. Everybody's got to come home. And Rillick is looking at her like, that's not realistic. And unfortunately, some of us have to live in the real world. So I don't actually, again, I don't see her as being the devil. Um, I see her. I see her as trying very hard to do what she do what she says, which is she's trying to meet people and circumstances where they are. Um, and there's validity to both viewpoints, right? Because you know, Kirk actually wins the Kobayashi Maru by changing the parameters of the test. Yeah, that's yes, yes. Um, so, but Rillick, on the other hand, is like, okay. I'm going to use the parameters that I'm given, but I'm going to try yeah. to come up with the best solution that I can. And I really, really like that. And I like that. I, I really like that we have a moment where Sonequa Martin Green actually channels first season Michael Burnham because really puts Burnham off her game to such an extent that she goes back to uh, Vulcan Burnham. Like you can even see that physically in how Martin Green holds herself in that scene, which I think is fantastic. And Rillick picks up on that, right? Because later when she's fighting with Burnham, and I love that she never loses her cool, right? It's never personal for her. She's literally just trying to pick the best person for the job. And she's not sure Burnham is that person, which is, a big sort of threat to Burnham's own ego, which I think is important. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the fallout from that. But you'll note she's, she talks about, she talks to Burnham and she says, you're willing to risk the many for the few. That's a Vulcan proverb. She's yeah, paraphrasing she's a Vulcan she's proverb she's because she's talking to the Burnham she has. Brilliant. I That's such tight that writing in this. It, it's it's tight writing, and Chella Horsdal does an amazing job with delivery. Sonequa Martin Green provides just a stellar performance in that scene. Um, there's so, so like I mean, just I keep going back to what Manny said wanna, initially, which I is there's so much. Play off of each other more. I want to see them play off of each other more. That's <laughs> that's something I am really enjoying is the way they play off of each other. The way those two characters do it reminds me a lot of garrick and bashir to be honest the way that they with it they go off of each other and then later on the way garrick goes off of cisco i yes I, maybe i'm seeing it wrong but i see her more as the new garrick because she's bringing the sense of reason and, and the sense of reason the sense of reality Okay. You know, the whole there are many ways I would describe Garrick. I don't know the voice of reason is one of them, and I think he would be very unhappy to hear you call him the voice of reason. But, but, but I will agree with Brandon on this. Garrick is very practical. Like it's, exactly. Is, that's this that's is more practical. what I'm. Yeah, that's more what I what I was saying is you should never tell the same lie twice, especially in. <laughs> oh yes. Episode, yeah. Did and it's it, and, and it yeah and it goes back to the in the pale moonlight when Bingo, they exactly yeah That's when exactly they execute the Romulan or like they assassinate me because I could do something you couldn't and I feel like that's what she's trying to get through to Burnham, Burnham is there's only so much you can do by yourself mm -hmm. and she and this is this is part of that 
Right. This is part of that. What is it that's a good captain? And so, yeah. like, Rillick is trying desperately to use this as a teaching moment, and Burnham's just not picking it up. No, she's not. I mean, and but, and Rillick is right. It's a matter of experience. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Let's meet in the middle. Okay. <laughs> Let's just meet in the middle, because we, they, we, I can say about half of us are on the present side, half of us on the burning side. We're gonna we're gonna come to the middle. That's where this is where this is where I come in. Okay. All right, so we'll, <laughs> so William's calling us to Jesus right now. That's what we're doing. All right, <laughs> that's two, y'all. I've got it. Two, I've got him twice. And what if I just okay. say no? No, for real though. I think what? What's the president's name? What's her name? I want to. Lara Rillick. Rillick. All right, Rillick. Uh huh. Yeah. So, um, she, she, she's not wrong. Okay. 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 Burnham is right, but Rillick is not wrong. Okay, and what I mean by Correct. that is, if we're gonna meet in the middle, I gotta say this: bitch needs to work on her delivery. Like, because you heard Burnham over the um, com try to like, you know, reach out to her, saying, "Hey, did you really go to this place? You cool or whatever?" Y'all, that was an open com. That was horrifically unprofessional. Oh, that was absolutely. Open? My bad. It was My it bad. was a direct the, open calm for the bridge officers and the bridge crew to the president. And I'm like, holy shit, that's I didn't know. The... I, I thought I thought it was like a direct. Mm -mm, I, nope. anyway, I think anyway. it was meant to be, but they didn't write it that way. Right. Mm -mm. So like I I I feel like that Burnham has the social capability in, you know, after being a year in the future and, you know, being um, away from Vulcan for so long, she's attained her human side and she knows how to be social. She knows how to be social. Whereas, um, where, whereas, um, really, really needs to work on her delivery when it comes to private conversations. Now, as a diplomat, as a politician, she has a spot on. But because to me, now I feel like that whole shindig of talking the man down was a performance. And I understand it got the job done, and that's good how you are on stage, but how are you amongst your crew? How is your morale? Where's your inner Neelix at? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I said it. You're, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I think she does have to, need to have a little bit more tact. Um, However, so is tact a Burnham problem or a Rillick problem or both? I think it's both. I, think, um, I, I don't think... See, I'm, I'm very much in the middle ground here. Burnham is not wrong in the way she views things. In, in the way that everybody needs to come home. In the way that, you know, it, it, if it has to be her life on the line for her crew, she'll do it. Totally. She's very not wrong Archer. in that view. Exactly. Very Archer, very Janeway, very... You know, very, very Kirk. Now, it is true, though. She is guilt driven, right. which exactly kind of gives her an almost savior complex. She exactly. Was she was not wrong about that because Bradham no. has and gone through a lot. My favorite part of the whole speech was where the president is talking to Burnham and, Burnham and, and Burnham's like, well, I'm the one who's most qualified because I have the most number of hours. And this, uh, I hate to say it, that triggered something in the back of my head. Every mean? job I've worked, every single job I've worked, I only have so much training. If I'm never allowed to go do something in the circumstances, I'll never get better at it. 
So I look at it as, okay, yeah, she might have the most experience doing EVA. She might have the most experience piloting those little, the, the worker bees. She might have the most experience clearing debris. But she's in command. This is not her I'll job say, anymore. I will exactly. say that. Yeah, we're back to Marie's point. Makes you qualified to be captain. You don't have to yeah. do that. I'm not saying that it's a lower job because, you know, you need the whole group. But it's not. It's just a different one. And that's not the job she has. She might not have taken it. I agree on that point because it's just like, baby, we, we all can see that you're doing this out of guilt and you're trying to babysit your crew. They grown and they all got promotions. Let them do their jobs. But let me ask you all a question. So, like, I actually agree with you all. Um, she should have let, you know, someone else do it. But was that the right moment in terms of what was happening? And at the same time, you are actually, you're actually basically telling a, a captain, captain of a starship, you're not making a good decision. So then ripple effect, how does that, like, what thoughts go into the minds of the people on, on the bridge crew? You know what I'm saying? I actually thought that was a really great way for her because she's not, this is, this is the real, the real realization that Burnham has when she says you, you're not here, you weren't here to tick a box because Burnham picks up on the well, fact that well, really that has been, the fact. yeah, that's my point. But this is like what she's do, like what really is doing with Burnham in that moment is poking the bear and basically seeing what this person is going to do because really has, a whole agenda like she can't just look at this and see you know station beta six because she's she's treating this like it's a um a job interview and burnham fails yeah um and that's a terror and that's a horrible way to talk about it you know especially when someone dies but Rillick has to look at a the picture radically differently than burnham does yes but in that moment in an emergency was that the right time manny you were in the military <laughs> yeah, why don't you was that the right, time? the right time i know y'all heard oh, that. the way that i you know interpret it of course is that um you have someone who is a science officer when you have when you when you take the time to become like something so good at one thing like that you become a commander um to be a captain or even a first officer, because I love the first officer thing, you are now in charge of managing personnel rather than your own scientific discipline or whatever it is that makes you, whatever it makes you shine. So she, here's what I interpreted. She could not have allowed Burnham, could not have allowed anyone else to do this mission because she had to make it a success, like 100%. She didn't trust anyone else in that moment to do it. And the fact that she's arguing with the instead of just going to do it, like the pause that she took, she's like, "Are you arguing with me? Like, or are you prevent like the, those little seconds?" That was the difference between that chunk hitting the ship and not hitting the ship. Mm -hmm. That's my point. And you have to trust the captain, trust the crew in those situations. My, and so she, opinion. the president, affected events simply by being there. And That's very true. Yeah. Th Agreed. And I'm not, and I'm not arguing that she's not, um, that she's not older, like there's not a moral issue with the president, but I just think she's looking at it very, very differently. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing, um, but it's. I, I can tell you right now, I, I, agree with you, with the 
I actually agree with you, Marie. It's just in that moment, was that the right time to make the, those comments? Yeah, ask the question again. <laughs> I know, and I don't like. It depends on it depends on what level you're talking. So if you're talking in terms of like making a moral distinction, like are you effing up a rescue operation? Probably not. If you're also looking at this as a job interview and you're poking Burnham to see what she's going to do in this situation, because let's face it. For Rillick, this is a comparatively low-stakes situation. There are 11 people on that ship. Like, I hate to put it that way, <laughs> because this is yeah. the Federation, and they're supposed to be better and than that's that. Why, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, like, I, like, but this, this goes back to we, Andy's point, this right? Is like, where this where we goes... deviate completely. This is where we deviate completely. That's that, 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 I was about to say human lives, not human lives. But that those are lies. Those are potential Federation lives. I am and not if, arguing. I am not arguing, but I think and, this goes back to and, Andy's point and, that and we're dealing her, with two different cultures. And by her thinking about it simply as, oh, this is a job interview. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh -uh. No, no, no. That's the wrong attitude to be taking. You need to take the step back because you don't have the expertise in this moment to be making these decisions really truthfully. She's not I making decisions. I got well, we, don't, point. we don't I know that, though. I feel, I feel like, like this season... I feel, I feel like this season... It just something that I've noticed because I'm reading and it, you know, that on something with the vibes that this episode will give you, which will probably give vibes for future episodes. This has um, the the three Star Trek remakes all um, all over it for me, from the 2009 all the way to um, um, into into beyond, into beyond. into darkness and beyond, right? Yep. Because I saw aspects of all three movies in this. Minus the you know the cliff was kind of obvious, but um, but as far as the development of Kirk, so just like Kirk had to, and this is where I agree, Burnham kind of needs to grow up a little bit. Um, just like Kirk had to grow up and he had to develop, he had to go through, he had to, he had to really be he 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 may have been promoted to captain, but he had to become a captain. Like you know what I'm saying. And that's what we're going to see with Burnham right here. Now, I ain't going to lie to you. I still don't like the delivery that that president did. But 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 but, but still, at the end of the day, Burnham kind of has to grow up. It, it, as far as, like, how everything is going, it's given me all sorts of Kirk vibes. Is this, are we going to see the same development in, her, in Burnham that we saw in Kirk? Now, I don't know if we saw that in the Prime universe, but we definitely saw it in the Kelvin universe. So it stands to reason that Burnham might be going through the same development process as Captain. That's what I think. I, I think that's exactly what's happening. Like I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's I, I think that's exactly where what we're looking at and we're watching. Um, I think that's going to be Burnham's arc for the rest of the season is figuring out like what is readiness? Is she ready? Like what like what are the things that she's going to be able to carry, and what are the things she's going to have to put down? And as for me, a longtime Star Trek fan, this is gonna that's gonna be required for me to accept her as captain of Discovery, to be honest. It's just me personally. I have to see this growth in her. So that's I'll be I'll be honest. I need this. I'll be honest. Um I believe it's definitely possible because if you recall, we saw that growth, even though even though the actress required it, act asked it for her character, you know, screw it. Choice character in TNG when she had to sacrifice Jordy in the holodeck. That was her personal Kobayashi Maru. And she Agreed. did it. Yeah. She had to do it. Now, 
we have seen that Burnham has lost people and has dealt with loss. You can't get around that. But do you have the ability, and many, I'm gonna let you take this from here. Do you have the ability to make a decision? Even though you don't wanna make that decision, Cisco had to make those decisions every day to the point he almost put in his resignation. Yeah. Can Burnham, even though she has done stuff, she has a resume, she she, she went live, she, she did stuff, she saved the Federation, all of that and more. But you can save stuff, you can bring it to life, but can you defend it? I like uh, Brandon, I actually throw to Brandon on this. What I'll say is the real world experience, of course, of being like a of an officer is that uh, you are trained. Like what's unrealistic about this is that you wouldn't have like command training um, that simply by your experience and your field promotion that you would just naturally get command of a starship. They wouldn't let you out into the field without that actual training. Um, And what? No, no, I agree with you. That that was one of my big beefs with Star Trek 2009. Actually, it was just like, what? Yeah, this is, exactly. this is not how this is gonna go. This is this is right. not how this is not how Let's command the, works. This is not the how flag. the military Starfleet works. Starfleet is still a military esque organization. Yeah, like, they're just really bad at it. Cowboys so Brandon had a point. I liked what he wrote. Um, if you can speak more to that about uh, maybe Troy's experience or Jordy's experience, <coughs> it was it was the whole concept, you know. It, Troy in in thine own self, the episode of Next Generation, she had to order Jordy to his death yeah. to save the ship. And now, it takes like it sixteen her, iterations. Yeah, I mean, it took over her and over hours again. and hours yeah. and hours of going through that scenario to actually figure out that was the solution because she was doing everything she could do to make sure everyone survived. And it takes Riker I, telling her she's not fit because she can't do it. And, and it's it's that face punch point. And I think that's what the president was trying to tell Burnham is at some point you're going to make the same call later on. And it's going to cause you to lose more than just one life. That means we're going to that means we're about to lose the main character, y'all. Yes. I, I told Brandon, I told Brandon earlier, I'm I I am looking I, I'm wondering how this is going to go and what we are going so, to lose in Burnham's education. Oh, yeah, my money is the new black dude. He can go. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna I, be there. I was gonna, gonna say go. he's gonna replace nah. him. I, my money is girl. actually on my, my money's on book. Nah, he just lost his whole planet. Don't do that to him. I uh, my money's on Saru. Also, that's, oh, that's my thought nah. because of what's going on on his planet. And I still think they're gonna kill that kid at some point. I don't care what y'all say. Yikes! Something. Do you mean Adira or Gray? Christopher, the, the dude who cried. The, the dude who cried so hard he blew up half the galaxy. Oh, Sakal. Oh, oh no. I feel like that at some point, mid-season finale, they're gonna kill him. I feel like they're gonna. Kill him. Is that? But is that gonna be like the emotional like bellwether for us? That would be an emotional bellwether for Saru. His his death is not gonna matter compared to the main character that's gonna that we know is gonna die at the end of it. If this right. is be Burnham's life lesson. And I have a Who's suspicion gonna it's gonna be Saru because now, this I is think. just this is just my assumption. He's a great actor. He's done a lot of great work. But I have a sneaking suspicion that him being on a series is going to take him too much away from what he likes to do. Especially just, just in, in the real yeah. world kind of scenario. 
Um, I disagree. I, so I hard. see him leaving, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Doug Jones thus far has been extremely gonna, enthusiastic about discussing him. Uh, Saru is going to be like integral, I think, to the Federation politics. I think he's going to come back. He doesn't want to command a ship. He's also been from the past. He's going to come in and like set the record straight. There's that pot. Yeah, there's. You know what? You know what? I got one. Saru. I got one. Tilly. Tilly, no. Uh, did not like Tilly. And she was supposed to be really awesome. Remember how all the cool stuff she did? And she comes in here and she can't even talk right. She was wooden. I didn't like they can kill any of the Tilly scene. I was wondering about they what they Stan. did with Tilly. They didn't write her character right this season. Mm. The, I don't this, think it's like, a question. Okay, guys, I don't think it's a question of not writing her right. I think what's actually happening is, remember, like, Manny earlier in this conversation talked about how Discovery has been on the run Maybe Tilly is now getting to the point where she gets the opportunity. She's now starting to process that, and she's starting to process um, all the st all the stuff that has happened. As and, a lieutenant, a lieutenant instead of an ensign, yeah, right. And so now she's now she's a lieutenant. Now she's a lieutenant. Now she's and, and now she's no longer in training. And so now she's got to figure out where the heck she's going. That's and, a really good point. Yeah. And, and that's terrifying. Been, they, they, haven't even, they haven't even been in the future for a full year yet. I don't mm -mm. even know if they've even processed that. And you know what? Even though I still don't like her, President did tell them, hey, you guys left your past. Surely you must be dealing with something. So yeah. not only was she looking at Burnham, but she was looking at the crew too. Because I, I had that thought. I'm like, you've been here less than a year. Now, Burnham, he's been here, he's been here for a minute. But you've been here for less than a year. You just got promoted. You saved half the galaxy, and now it's warping on itself with a bunch of stuff. How are you processing this? That goes back to mental health. Yeah, and I think this is. I think this goes to Jermaine's Jermaine's point. I think Tilly is in the forefront of that because, in addition to everything else, you'll note that everybody else kind of pairs off. Tilly's alone. She had um, a friend here and there. She had Burnham. But she can't have Burnham, Burnham now pulled. because Burnham's they had captain. that awkward exchange because she got pulled away, right? It's like mm -hmm. that. But that's why that's I mentioned Tilly. Really. That's well, why wait, I so it because what, I noticed something was going on with their relationship. So what yeah. about Jet and Reno? I mean, I know she's only a recurring character, oh, but yeah. I mean, she could be someone for Tilly. We've been, you know, the engineering section used to be like the show. Like I used to right. love seeing Stamets and, and and Reno and all this stuff, and it moved totally away from that to for these larger plot points. I think it'll come back to re-solidify these like steps. I think Marie made a really good point about the the jarring nature of like these promotions and and I think we're, what we're all seeing is that they're uncomfortable. That does make sense. I, I kind of see why yeah. Tilly was so wood wooden. Because remember everybody in his dog was complaining about how Burnham cried a whole like every episode last season and I'm like wait I didn't a minute. Care about that. Like wait a I minute. Didn't, let's I didn't, let's I think didn't, about this for a second. I didn't care Burnham about she, she needed to cry. Yeah, like exactly. She had an emotional response, and she's actually having that emotional response. And I think that's something that was healthy to see, because that's not something that Star Trek has been super great about. Like, does anybody else remember that terrible, awkward crying jag in um, First Contact? When you know, like, we have five seconds of Picard breaking down because his family has died, and then like Red Alert happens, and he's just like, "All right, peace. We're gonna go do this." Hmm, and it was possibly right, the it least. <laughs> It, it's one of the least yeah. Yeah. believable sequences I think Patrick Stewart has ever done. And I have seen Dune. <laughs> that was sad. Mm. You had to bring up Dune. 
I did. No, that was. So I want to. No, I his performance in it, I think, was bad. Like it was like this is. Yeah, like, no, it's terrible, and it's just like it, I mean, seriously, like Troy comes in, sits him down, and it's like you're, you know, like your uncle, your your brother and his son have died, and then he's just like, <laughs> it's just like what? Yeah. It's they just like this. To, they were they were trying to create another Kirk situation with that. That's what they were trying to do. Because I say we. And what I mean by that is Kirk's, I won't, I, well, for lack of a better phrase, Kirk's motive for the rest of the TOS films was the death of his son. Andy. Oh, I thought you were going back to Operation Annihilate when he loses his, oh, his brother and, and his brother's wife. Oh, okay. Anyway. Andy, did you have a point? I did. I, I don't want to break up the, this, the, the sequence of this, but I want to go back to a point where we were talking about Rillick when she goes to talk and she says the the many needs for the, mm. the important the, yeah, the needs of the many guy. versus the one. It was an interesting that was an interesting point because she's raised as a Vulcan, right? But now she's Marie, a Starfleet yeah, captain, said... and we know we know that in the in the Starfleet culture isn't necessarily a hundred percent prescribed to the Vulcan culture, right? True. We've never seen a Vulcan in 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 sitting in the captain's chair. Where a Vulcan wants to do everything that's logical, but what what Starfleet training and what Starfleet captains do often do, has to break away from that in order to be able to be effective as a Starfleet captain. And that's like, that's all I wanted to bring up was that there was an interesting uh, point, point there because what is Burnham dealing with, right? Because what you know she's fighting constantly against her own her own upbringing. Yep. Um, I think. And I think. I, I mean, are we talking about Sarek's Sarek's A plus parenting? <laughs> come on. I mean, come on, come on. Relative to who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, for relative a Vulcan, what, I'm certain right? he, he was very liberal for a Vulcan. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah, but he manages to screw up not one, not two, <laughs> but three <laughs> children. That that needs a mini series all by itself. Oh, <laughs> but but, no. but like like all kids would say that their parents screwed them up. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. but no, no. Sarek has demonstrably done that. But again, compared to who? Compared to who? Right? We we're looking at one family, right? It might be this the same across all Vulcan parents, right? Like we don't know that, right? So well, we we know that we know that T'Pol's parents, yes, yeah, her mom didn't raise her weird. She was just overbearing, but she didn't. She didn't. You know, T'Pol was on the right path until she met Archer. She was a secret renegade. We didn't know herself over. Um, it either screwed them up or like fixed their civilization. I mean, you know. Yeah. And then and then we talk about you know if you want to talk about Vulcans, let's go to Tuvok, who was the only what I consider modern purebred Vulcan that we have to reference. Mm -hmm. um, and even Tim Russ, as an actor, opens up and says, "Yeah, he goes, I tried to play off of the Vulcan side of what I witnessed Nimoy play." as spot yeah which when you take that into account you have to understand he tuvok was a parent mm -hmm. he had parents yeah. he comes from a stable lineage of vulcan family and he's so, pretty stable but boy is he stable even um, though he left starfleet and came back and yeah. yeah and and he realized that his parents steered him the right direction which is why he came back to starfleet so I think you're right, though, uh, you know, William, I, 
I agree with you 100% because Burnham is not only fighting her her upbringing on Vulcan, she's also conflicting with Starfleet Starfleet protocol. But we're also talking about Starfleet protocol from you know the 2200s, and Old now school. we have Starfleet protocol from the 3100s, which is totally different. And I gotta tell you, I don't think Burnham cares. I really don't. I think Burnham is basically is is basically going to look at that protocol from from the thirty one nineties and say, "Yeah, right." Exactly. And then just keep going. Is it either Marie or Brandon that made the point? I'm so sorry, William. No, 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 no. no. Go ahead. Uh, the one of you made the point that um, that Rillick was so smart. She's like, "This is what she spoke to Nala. She mentioned his home world, and she spoke to him in a political way, and just she's knowledgeable." Got, Got and then she's when she spoke to Burnham, it was a Vulcan point. I, I believe it was Brandon or Marie who made this point that in that moment she appealed immediately to her like the political sense of like engendering like uh, that sense of like I know where you come from or this is a logic that will appeal to you. Um, if if she is that intelligent, be afraid. The, yeah. an as, as he said, an adept politician is a very dangerous I thing. So present. Hell you. <laughs> Do you also, I really love that we can tell her. that Manny is inherently Canadian because he's so much nicer than the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think, Manny, do you think that's because she's part Cardassian, part Bajoran, part, I guess, human? And so there are different sides to who she are. Jermaine she is, is not going to let this go. He's just not. <laughs> no, she's bad. She's Cardassian. No, no, no. I'm away. I'm talking to him about what you just said. The reason she's able to appeal to those different sides of who a person is is because she inherently knows yes. that there are different sides to who she is. Does that make sense? You know, it absolutely does. Yeah. I would say that, that uh, her, her. what I'm. Go ahead. No, go Andy, ahead, Manny. Please. Go ahead. I was, was going to By the way, did the way Andy, you go. Andy, you go. <laughs> okay, by the way, so the way that, that uh, Rillick was interjecting and making questions, it, it, well, I, first of all, I don't like her. Really. I think, I think she looks like, I think she looks like Seska. I think she looks like Seska, and I think it's on purpose. Right? Not Seska. I, I can't, I can't wait to meet this Rillick character. <laughs> She's polarizing, <laughs> for sure. She wasn't that bad. She really wasn't that bad. Oh, Oh my God. Jermaine, I love you so much. She really wasn't that bad. She really wasn't that bad. But she is the devil. <laughs> oh. like, like. Andy, I'm sorry. Andy, please, please. She is a Cardassian. I just say that the way that she. The way that she kept interjecting reminded me of Kai Wynn. Right? Yeah, how are you remember going Kai, to remember the way Kai Wynn would, would, would question. Mm. Yes. I uh, Good point. I saw a lot of similarities with the um, the never ending saga. And Garrick brings up the uh, the great Cardassian. Oh, um, the, the never ending sacrifice. Thank yeah. you. That's what it is. Never ending sacrifice. Never ending sacrifice. You know the Laughing. Did I miss something? I, I, I just told Jermaine that he needs to label him like because he has these labels that pop up, right? And he needs to label himself O'Brien because, like, in a minute, like Jermaine's literally just gonna drop a bloody Cardi's. Bloody spoonheads. Oh. We're adults. <laughs> I'm, I'm 
we're trekking. Come on, come on, Andy. I'm sorry. We're sorry, Andy. Come on. <laughs> I, no, I am so sorry that I'm Brian. Thank God. No, 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 no. Andy has Andy has brilliant points, and we need to observe those Andy, brilliant Andy points. Andy has brilliant points. He's he, yeah. We're quiet now. I was just gonna make a point about Cardassian political processes. Uh, Go for it. That the, that the way that um, they describe them, the, the the state of like Cardassia and stuff like that. I think that she was just being. I I didn't see the Kai Win thing. I get that. The Joran women are direct. That's part of their culture. But in Cardassian culture, the state comes first, and I think that came through. Their argument over like you have yeah. to, to cut your losses. Ooh. Ducat was like yeah, that. Ducat uh, said it flat out. It's been working for the last five thousand years. This is a Cardassian political thinking. Like this is actually like how they like uh, engage. So if you if you're actually thinking about the conflict, their political conflicts are the same way. Um, she was negotiating as brilliant and as adept as she was. Yes. There was a bias there. I think it's a Cardassian bias, and I think it's inherent to how she was like dealing with. She's like, you have to cut this this heavy handed thing of like Burnham needs to learn to be a captain. I get it. It, if that is all that is, it's very two-dimensional. I would love it to be a little more three-dimensional as like an idea. Like maybe there's more growth on either side. It's not just on Burnham. Maybe the president needs to learn something. But I also am like picturing this president, like the president from the Hunger Games. Did you guys ever watch the Hunger Games? Yes. The, the lady at the end and how she betrayed them and how she just kind of stepped in and just like moved the pieces around so she could just like claim this thing in the same way. That's exactly how I feel this lady is. Oh, okay. Oh, brutal. Okay, we have to say goodbye to Andy. Sorry, Andy, saw you left. I, I, I also have to leave very you, soon. You also have to leave very soon? Yeah, okay. yeah. <clears throat> so since started. we're coming up on almost two hours, y'all, we are like 45, at this point, we're 45 minutes over what we had, had oh, anticipated. Wow. <laughs> we were just having a good time. Like, really. There's um, too much to talk so about. There's just, let's do this. Let's just one episode. <laughs> Let's each of us wrap it up in one minute. We're just gonna go around. We're gonna talk about okay. what we like, you know, like a summation statement. One minute. That's all we're gonna get. Nothing more than a minute. Um, who would like to go first? Otherwise, I'm gonna start calling us. Are we talking about like summary one minute of the episode that we just watched? That one minute, or just or a summary of everything that we've just experienced for the past one hour and forty five minutes. Oh yeah, like we can do that in one minute. Okay. Um. <laughs> I kind of want to bring us back to balance. I'll take my minute now. Okay. I kind of want to bring us back to balance because much like because um, we have these two poles, right? We have the pole of Burnham and we have the pole of Rillick. And I think what this episode is telling us is that balance is going to ultimately be the goal right is is finding a happy medium between getting everybody home and also, you know, not damaging ourselves in the process, right? Because that's one of the things that, that I think Rillick is looking at and saying, hey, you can't carry all of this. You're going to have to distribute it because you can't, that's just, you're going to make yourself crazy. And I think that touches on this whole concept of, you know, if they want to deal with the pandemic, because, you know, those feelings of isolation and having to carry all of this on our own in a in a more profound way than we necessarily have had to. Um, I think that's kind of what Burnham's looking at going into the captaincy. So. Thank you very much. That was quick. That was good. 
Um, <laughs> Jermaine's Brandon like, I didn't William. think you could keep to a minute. <laughs> Brandon, William, Ozzy, Van Hale. I'll go. I'll go uh, next. I, I, I'll just talk about some of the cool tech because I'm a very tech kind of guy. Um, so we know there's a drive, there's a pathway drive putter prototype in the works that we're going to learn more and more about. We have the the spore drive generation two that we're looking forward to. We've got obviously a reference to the Voyager J and the new space dock where ships are going to be upgraded and advanced. Um, we're talking about uh, a new type of encounter where these frozen methane things are coming out of nowhere and hitting multiple events and a planet is destroyed and there's loss of life this is a new technology or a new encounter that we haven't seen yet and we're going to have to have new tech to counter it i think this is going to be a new generation of star trek that comes out that has another way of leaping into the future of seeing what the future technology is going to hold for both starfleet the federation and the people of the Milky Way. Can I go next? Yes, Sorry, sir. I just need to wrap it up. Um, <clears throat> that's both amazing. Like, um, I think that I'm not done thinking about this. I have to go rewatch them. I rewatch Prodigy and really let the new Trek kind of like soak in and stuff like that. Of course, we have all these references to all these amazing like Star Trek episodes. Um, I think we are just like we saw Enterprise. We saw like a slice of of the Star Trek universe we had never seen before. We're so far in the distant future that anything could happen. It's such an opportunity to like introduce all new kind of like alien species. I like that they do hybrids. They haven't really addressed any of the time stuff. The more throwbacks that they throw in there to those old series, it's great. Lower Decks is kind of doing a similar thing, but and it's a nice fan service. But what I'll say is that the over again the overarching existential threat is managing all of these treks together. <laughs> and uh, I think that uh, what you're going to see is how their relationships change. And then you're going to zoom right out to like mm -hmm. these huge existential threats that like threaten. And mm -hmm. so the Federation will become even more important before it was like this Orion Sing Syndicate spinoff or whatever in the last season. But this season, I think you're going to find that like people will have to pull together in unexpected ways. Like Saru, bring him out. You're going to see like maybe some new people pop up or whatever, kind of like how you had Scotty pop up in that one episode of uh, TNG. Like, oh, my goodness, this is a jack in the box. I think you're going to see stuff like that where they come together and gel together as a discovery. We haven't seen any other ships in this fleet. Where are the rest of the Starfleet? You know, like we saw some of their like answers, but we haven't really seen their interaction with the other captains and president, president of what? They have nothing. <laughs> they're still figuring it out. So I think we're going to get the legs going on the Federation. And I think also there's like a dark side to the Federation. There's a, there's a touch there. I think that there's a kernel of like suspicion. So I think they have to quash that. All right. Peace out. See I got to go. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, thank you for being with us. Ozzy, what yeah. do you got? Ozzy, what do you got? You listen to us go on and on. Two things. Um, Larrick is part Kardashian, and um, that's not sitting right with you. That's one of the things that I get. <laughs> and then another thing like I'm interested in seeing is how um, Barnum becomes um, captain before Shuri. Because Shuri is um, number two right now well, where I am at. So I'm like, okay, so how did this happen? That's a thought going on in my head right now. 
Okay. All right. All right. William. Okay. <laughs> um. Stop. Uh. So. I wish I had a timer right now. Okay. Okay. So when I watched it, um, and I'm gonna be talking about the episode itself. I almost, I almost cried to tears when I saw the, and, and I knew what was gonna happen, but I didn't want to accept it. And I think we all did. When I looked at that, I felt mm -hmm. the same reaction that I felt when Beta Z was um, taken over by the Dominion. That hurt. That hurt okay. me to the core. And because that's like that's like one of those planets you don't touch. I don't give it you like take Ryza if you want. I don't care, but you do not touch. <laughs> <laughs> not Ryza. No, no, no. Leave Ryza alone. I want everybody to recognize that there are so many dirty jokes that I could make right here that I'm not. So thank you. Thank you. I'm showing personal growth. <laughs> I will agree. <laughs> there is room for growth for Burnham's character as a captain. She is a great first officer. She is a great science officer. She will be there when you need her. She has filled those qualifications. And now we're in season four. She gets hit number four. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if y'all made that connection or not. Yeah. So notice that each, I won't say each season was a different rank, but each season was a different position. That's true. And now she's a captain, so she gets pip number four. And the reason why there's only one reason, even though I do not like that woman, there is only one reason why why Queen Bitch is right. It's because the episode in Voyager where Seven did everything right and it still didn't work. That's a life lesson in of itself. You can do everything. You can even do every. Here's the thing. You can do everything by the book. You don't even have to have that cowboy space Kirk mentality. You don't even have to have that. You can do everything by the book. And in many ways, the Borg are more efficient than, than, than Starfleet. That's all. So that being said, I don't believe Burnham has really crossed that yet. So I'm looking forward to see that in her character development. Thank you, William. Thank you. Thank you. And so for me, I just want to say this real quick um, before we like officially wrap up. Um, so what I noticed throughout this one episode, even though they really ever talk about Deep Space Nine in small, very, very, very small ways, they do bring up themes or elements from Deep Space Nine and in, in, in all throughout um, Discovery. Um, we saw it in different ways. Um, during this particular episode, even when, when I saw more and I was like, oh my God, there's more. <laughs> um, uh, you know what I'm saying? You don't even know um, what species he is. He's just more. He, he's, yeah. a he's a Myra Knight. Okay. okay. More? Okay. Yeah. He's, a, he's cool. He's an Eminem. Okay, cool. More is Illyrian. No, no, you're right. He's, yeah, he's Illyrian. Oh my God. Yeah, I got that so wrong. Okay. Wow. Wait, <laughs> what? Epic fail. And so my sorry, point sorry, is, sorry, is sorry. that even though we we tend to we tend to believe that Deep Space Nine doesn't have its same footing, its same place in the Star Trek universe, um, it really does. Um, I think at this point they're really just trying to figure out how to how to bring it in. In in a lot of ways, Deep Space Nine was very stationary. Duh. Um, and so it's like, <laughs> how do we you know bring it in? Um, and so, you know, 
let's just continue to look forward. Let's be happy when we see it, when we see it. Um, but since all of us have kind of wrapped up, um, we want to thank you all for joining us. It has been an hour and 55 minutes. We hope that you have enjoyed yourselves. I know that I have. Have you all enjoyed yourselves? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it has been a delight to have you take this trek with us. Have a good evening. And anybody that watches this afterwards, enjoy. Yes.